Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we've gone international again, Youngmi. Again. <laughs> we have an Asian person living in Asia. Wow. <laughs> they exist. <laughs> they make up half of the world's population. And we, can, we finally convinced them to be on the pod. And I have to say that I, I'm really excited for this conversation because... Um, it's not so Asian American centric, which, you know, no offense, obviously, we're all Asian American. And that's what we talk about. But this episode, I feel like this is a very, maybe the least like Asian American discussion we're going to have. I'm all for it. Yeah, can I be on? <laughs> can I be honest? I used to be scared of Asian Americans. Why? Oh, because I'm the same Asian, but English is not my first language. So I used to feel inferior to talk to them. Really? Wow. wow. Your, yeah. your English is incredible. <laughs> and if and when you feel that way, just look at any Asian American and ask them to speak <laughs> Korean, you know, Tagalog, uh, Vietnamese. And I'm sure it wouldn't be nearly as good as your English is because <laughs> you're doing a podcast. And I would yeah. never in a million years be able to do a Korean podcast with my Korean. We're bridging the gap because I feel like we talk to a lot of Asian Americans and they feel insecure around asian people because they feel judged wow. for not knowing their like quote unquote culture and so mm -hmm. ugh, look at us brian bridging the, <laughs> yeah maybe back and just, forth yeah, back and forth we just misunderstand each other you know yeah why can't we all just get along um <laughs> right <but> let, <laughs> let me introduce our our guest um this this week's guest is a very good friend of mine we met doing stand-up in new york city um, mm -hmm. They're also a sex educator and currently working at Henya's Kitchen in Jeju Island, um, which is a dining restaurant featuring uh, Henya, which are, if you're familiar, the divers that live in Korea. That's like a big part of the cultural heritage there. Everyone, please give us your ears for JY Choi. Hello. Good evening or good morning for you guys. <laughs> Very nice to see you. <laughs> it's morning for us, but um, mm -hmm. so you're calling in from Henyo's kitchen right now, you said, right? That's right. Uh, this is where the kitchen ladies rest. I'm using a bag of rice as my cushion for the back. It's very comfortable. It's like a bin bag chair, you know? You're really trying to out <laughs> Asian <much>. us, huh? <laughs> uh -huh. I'm sitting Doesn't on a bag of rice from the, <laughs> from the sea diver's kitchen in Jeju Island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's so crazy that you two met in the New York comedy scene and uh, uh -huh. especially yeah. on your side of things, JY, where how did you even get introduced to stand up comedy? Like, were you consuming it from afar? And then it's all you were like, OK, I'm going to go to New York and like do this for a little bit. I'm going to do this. So I went to uh, I went to college back in 2004 in Seattle oh, okay. and Margaret Cho was big. And when Blockbuster oh, was all over okay. town. You know, I would just walk in and saw her DVD and I discovered stand-up at age 19. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was quite crazy because it was so different from the type of comedy that I watched growing up in Korea. Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess we used to have it back in the 70s, but with mm -hmm. the you know, military government, it, it was just pushed away from the TV mm -hmm. uh, because people speaking freely of their mind is very dangerous. Yeah. Um, right, and so, right. So it was replaced with more slapstick more character based more safe improv type 
of comedy, uh-huh. which is great too. Yeah. But but we kind of <laughs> lacked the kind of uh, satire, your social commentary, right. um, political. Mm. Yeah, it's still very really hard to find. And stand up was just something that I didn't grow up with. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I found it fascinating, but. I was super depressed. I had social anxiety um, back in college, so I didn't even imagine that I'll ever get to like get up there. You know, I just consumed it. Mm-hmm. Um, was a big fan, and then fast forward to 2018, um, stand-up comedy started picking up with you know Netflix starting to streaming in Korea. Yeah, some Korean comedians starting to pick up on stand-up, <laughs> and <laughs> we had one open mic. Uh, for stand-up out of all of Korea wow. in 2018. <laughs> yeah. And I was like the only girl there. Wow. You know, I was the oldest and I was like the only female. Wow. That's wow. just like and I'm open like, great. in America. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And, and, and like an Asian person, I was like, okay, I got to go for a hagwon or yeah. like an after school, like, uh, <laughs> like a tutoring for this. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. It, this is like so... I, I guess Asian or Korean of me, but I'm like, okay, let's look for like the best comedy hagwon. Yeah, I'm gonna go is. to school and, and I'm gonna learn it. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's how learn you ended up how in to New do York. comedy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I signed up for a, a awesome. seven week course with Comedy Cellar. And, oh, I remember uh, when that. I was there. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. and you told and, me. and as a stand up novice, I was like, I'm gonna write the first book on stand up comedy in Korean. You know, oh. because nobody, Pioneer. nobody has ever done it and i'll do it and so i was just doing my research um i i watched like so many comedy shows and started getting up on open mics i was so nervous yeah i i hate to say it but still like being in america scares me like yeah i feel the first like um nerve of just like being nervous to talk to people and yeah i i'm just not a good public speaker but i just had to do it because um i felt like getting old nothing to lose just do it I, I mean this in the most mm-hmm. loving way, but you're like one of those white women that do yoga for like eight days and you're like, that's it. I'm the expert. I'm the <laughs> uh-huh. yoga. I that- invented yoga. I'm going to become a yoga <laughs> mm-hmm. instructor. I'm going to write a book because mm-hmm. I'm the best at yoga. Like you're the that of oh, Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, mm-hmm. I'm all about exactly it. Winning mentality. <laughs> Make your goop empire. I did this for seven weeks. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I know. And, and all the stand-up fans and states or elderly hate it. But yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm still like the most respected stand-up expert in Korea. That's you because awesome. I, I, have the book <laughs> I, the, I did write the book out. That's you no. wrote the book on stand-up in Korea. Yeah, I've, you have yeah, so many. You I have did. so many credits that like that that didn't even like get mentioned. You you have that. You have the credit of being a sex educator. You actually opened the first like women owned women centric sex shop in Korea. You you're the mm-hmm. f- the, the premier expert of stand up in Korea. That's, a, that's amazing. Just in Korea. In Korea. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, you're training to become a hanya. So Yeah. Uh-huh. My gosh. Well, yeah, I mean that is uh, we're gonna jump into it even more but i feel like you're just mm-hmm. a pioneer in so many ways with like female or, empowerment or. and equality in mind and i'm really really yeah. excited to have all our listeners learn more about you and your story but before mm-hmm. we dive into it we like to ask each other how we're feeling so young me how are you feeling um so i didn't really get that much sleep last night i had therapy this morning very early at like 6 a.m whoa, um whoa. But- <laughs> 
Well, yeah, because I, I changed it because I, I thought I was going to be in Korea and then I missed oh, my flight. So, right, right, and then right. my therapist <clears throat> couldn't like change it back for a few weeks, so which is fine. And I couldn't sleep because I had this anxiety. I watched this movie about this husband that killed his wife and kids. And oh. then I just kept having like this oh. like <laughs> panic it's oh like anxiety oh. so i feel very sleepy but i am back on my bullshit drinking a monster energy drink if you're oh my god so hopefully that kicks in <laughs> at some point but i just have the worst anxiety which is i don't really watch scary movies anymore because uh -huh. i feel like i'm i just can't really handle it and so every once in a while i'll watch something like true crime and it just really affected me i was like someone's gonna break in and murder me which it's like for the first oh, time goodness. in my life I've been really that afraid. So I'm a little tired, but I'm I'm okay. <laughs> you got so monster energy All coursing right. through your veins, and yeah, we just hot off of a ther a six a.m. therapy session. <laughs> yeah, and I cried. I already cried today. It's, it's nine a.m. Oh no! So wow. Yeah. Ready How to are work. you feeling? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Brian? Um, How am I feeling? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I, I have brought this up on the podcast before, but with the work that we do, we're like producing video content and we're making a podcast, and yeah. it's so much output that w of ourselves and of of our thoughts and um of our experiences that it's I, I feel like out of equilibrium right now where i'm not mm. i'm not in i'm not inputting enough and so lately i'm trying to yes, catch up for that me too yeah same like, so it's so much output but i don't yeah. have a lot enough input whether it's like in the form of new experiences or reading yeah. a book or like just being exposed to new forms of knowledge i i just feel sort of like out of sync in that way so i'm i i feel a bit um like a raisin i guess <laughs> like a raisin yeah got, i'm all dried out the, the juice has been squeezed from brian <laughs> yeah i'm glad you said that because i feel that way too i'm like why the fuck would anyone want to hear me talk about anything i have nothing to talk about now <laughs> yeah so i think uh I feel inspired by JY. I need to. I need to go back to cram school or hagwon and get some tutoring. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. How to become a better podcaster? Yes. Yeah. Let's go to podcast Which school. Which does exist in Korea? Wait, there's really? a podcast school in Korea. Oh. Of course. Oh, anything like podcast or YouTube, like you can be a YouTube star too. That kind of stuff. Yo, maybe yeah. that's our sec second mm -hmm. career calling because JY did a seven week. Mm -hmm class in america and is now the <laughs> nation's expert of stand-up i think we qualify yes. as podcast mm -hmm. experts in korea <laughs> oh yes oh yeah definitely you're you're featured in one of the most like right-wing newspaper in korea the chosen <laughs> in yeah. the right -wing, and that's yeah. like the biggest credit you can get oh we when are, we're when yeah. we uh, we have the approval of the right wing that's how you know uh -huh. we've made it in korea is it a right-wing newspaper? I didn't real. I just thought it yeah, was like it's a very regular... conservative. It's like the Fox News of oh, Korea. Oh, very conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it is. Yeah. But it is the most mm -hmm. the most like red one. Wow. Yeah. So like, my Fox dad News. has been subscribing. Yeah, for the past sixty years. Wow. So. Well, how are you feeling, yeah. JY? Um, I I'm feeling great actually. So we had a big show. Um, where I'm located is in Jeju Island. It's the southernmost island in Korea. It's like a volcanic island called Hawaii of Korea. 
So it's a small place, but we had a um, international crowd. Mm. And so I've been working in this job for the past three months. And we had um, 30 University of Toronto students come in oh, nice. to listen to the Henya story. Mm -hmm. And I did like simultaneous interpretation and things like that, which ha I haven't done in a long time. Yeah. So I'm grateful that it's over. But I'm at the point that I'm like too burnt out to go home. Mm -hmm. I have to drive like 30 minutes back home. Mm -hmm. And I'm too tired to do so. So I'm just sitting on the <laughs> bag of rice talking to you guys. So you're saying that was the first time you did live interpretation. So is it rare for you to have guests that don't speak Korean there? Yeah, because it's uh, basically it's a one hour play oh. um, and then the meal. And then we have an interview with Henyo and all the contents, all the actresses speak only in Korean. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we uh, make the international crowd understand the concept? Um, wow. And so it was very really limited, but um, I prepared like a synopsis book in English and um, I try to tell them the premise of what Henyo is and what the story is about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the play isn't Korean, but I was hoping that they would just understand it with their heart. Right, and right, right. at the end, we we brought out the actual um, Henyo, who's 91 years old. Wow. And the play we show them is based on the events from her life. Not to put you through more work, because you just said you're exhausted, mm -hmm. but... Maybe in the shortest way possible for our podcast listeners who may not know what a henya is, which is like a diving mm -hmm. woman. Like, mm -hmm. what do they do? What would you say is the like cultural impact and the importance of their work in Korea? Sure. So Jeju Island traditionally was an island where people were sent to be exiled in Korea. Mm. It was just like a nice. deserted island. And when you're born here as a woman... Yeah. You have nothing else that you can do, but you can only be uh, become a sea diver, mm. like a female diver. Mm. And so you just free dive into the sea and then catch uh, seafood like abalone, uh, horned conchs, or uh, seaweed, you know, like yeah. miok, mm -hmm. and make a living out of it. And when you're born a woman, you just don't have a choice. You either become that or... Uh, even if you become um, a mother yeah. of multiple children, you are the breadwinner of the family. Wow. Yeah. Um, men, men were easily, you know, lost because they're out in the sea um, on a fisheries boat. And when they don't come back, you just assume, okay, he's dead. Wow. And you have to raise six children yeah. and still, you know, um, make money for the family. Mm. So that was kind of the tradition in Jeju. Yeah. And now no one wants to become a henyo mm. basically it's such mm. a hard life yeah. and every time you dive you're pretty much risking your life to uh to make money right and mm -hmm. there's no one who wants to become that so it's becoming an extinct career mm -hmm. yeah and um and so this dining theater program started three years ago mm -hmm. to kind of tell their story and also promote the seafood that they bring in mm. and uh, make make food based on the sea products that's so mm. awesome it's like it's thank a, you yeah i know it's like a very you know it's like a protected it's like part of the cultural heritage of korea and i know the government is like mm -hmm. trying to preserve yeah. it as much as possible because that's the job that led to um jeju becoming somewhat of a matriarchal culture compared to the rest of korea oh, definitely. Yes. but even i i know i sent you the article but i actually like a few years ago, went to Jeju to interview them. 
um, for mm-hmm. a magazine, and they they were telling me that even though on paper, like foreigners will come in, like and interview them, and be like, "Oh, wow, you're like part of this matriarchal um, culture," and they're like, "No, men are still bossing us around. They don't make the money, <laughs> but they're still telling us what to do." <laughs> you know, that's a very interesting point because actually there are two Kenya schools that are funded by the government, yeah, mm. and. One of the reasons why I moved to this island uh, end of last year, and like December 2021, was because I wanted to train to become a henya. Uh-huh. I love diving. And I realized all the principals of these schools are men. Oh, wow. And when wow. you go in for an interview, <laughs> I'm not surprised. you are entered by only five men. Wow. And wow. I'm like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I, I'll be cool with that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, what did, did they die themselves? No. Oh, yeah. that is yeah. wild. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Wow! Like they're yeah. just sitting around and just bossing mm-hmm. everyone around is what they told me mm-hmm. when I interviewed them. But yeah. oh my god! Oh yeah! You know, even prior to your move to Jeju-do, you were working as a freelance sex educator in Seoul. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, Seoul and surrounding areas. Okay. Um. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. just start there. Like, what? How is? How did you fall into this work? Like, what is sex education like in Korea? Um, so it has to start with why I chose to become a sex educator. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a very personal issue to me, but I was molested as a child. Oh. Uh, I was six years old and it was by a stranger. But uh, I was so ashamed of it, even though I didn't know what it was. Because you mm-hmm. grew up with your mother telling you, like, your your PP is very, like, important. Yeah. Um, don't let anyone touch it. Right. And then and then it happened to me, right? And oh I didn't God. understand the, mm. the uh, you know, the meaning of it. But I was just scared of my mom. My mom was mm. so scary. So I was like, okay, oh, uh, I don't know what happened here, but I guess I won't tell my mom. Yeah. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then um, actually in fifth grade, when I was doing, um, I was being uh, educated at school. So we have like the mandatory sex education at school. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's basically a lot of like um, sex abuse prevention education. And I realized, oh, something like that happened to me. Wait, am I like victim of sexual abuse? What? And then I realized, oh, oh my God, I'm so ashamed of myself. Like I'm already... You know, I'm already dirty. I'm already a waste of a human being, oh and God. I don't deserve to be loved. And mm. if my mom found out, you know, they might disown me. I don't know. So then, like my teenage depression kind of started. Mm. Um, and then one day in eighth grade, I was watching TV, and there was this ajuma uh, in her forties, mm-hmm. and she was the sexual uh, sex educator who pretty much single handedly revolutionized revolutionized Korean sex education and the concept um, oh. at the late 90s. And she was like a sexual assault victim. Mm. And she was just like telling her story. Um, but the thing is, she was really funny. Mm. I feel like like she had the um, like skills of stand-up comedian pretty much. Yeah. Like she had the, the setup and the punchline and, and all the anecdotal stories. And it was shocking, but she was such a funny person. And, and then I realized, oh, even though you have this like a shame, like shameful thing happen to you, mm-hmm. you can still be a normal, funny person. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward, uh, I opened a sex toy shop when I turned 30 mm-hmm. because I was inspired by all these sex toy shops that I saw in Seattle. And mm-hmm. I felt that um, one of the reasons I grew up being so ashamed of myself is because we don't 
openly talk about sex, yeah. especially women exploring their sexuality and the pleasure part. So I don't see myself as an educator, an instructor, because that's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this fun stuff where I can like bring in the, the fun, entertaining aspect to it. And, um, and I will attach my name and face into this business. Right. And so I opened the sex toy shop in 2015. And um, two years later, I realized uh, maybe I'm not like the type of business person I thought. Yeah. Um, I want Korea to really change its course with where it's going with um, sex right. education and how we talk about it. Mm. So then I joined the NGO run by the very woman I saw when I was in oh. eighth grade oh, on wow. tv wow. yeah That's so yeah she was like 60 something but still you right. know still um yeah promoting health uh sexual health and i was really glad to be part of that ngo yeah so as the ngo you um just to like quickly get back to brian's question so mm-hmm. was your job to go in and teach teach in korean public schools or how is sex education set up in the government like school system there. Mm-hmm. So, so actually, I I had researched before, and elementary, junior high, and high school in Korea are required mm-hmm. every year. All the students are required to take fifteen hours of sex education. Okay, right. but it's not a very broad umbrella term of sex education. Uh, it requires like three hours of sex abuse prevention, mm-hmm. but other hours can be filled with creative stuff, mm-hmm. and it's really impossible to teach them 15 hours of sex education that's really uh, unrealistic right so a lot of times you know they'll read like a fictional novel about a love story together watch a romance movie together and then Mm. count that as okay that was one hour of sex education (laughs) yeah because it talked about relationship like the notebook or something (laughs) right yeah that's two hours Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I imagine because they're it's so vague, like this term Mm -hmm. of education. Um, So there might Mm -hmm. be like a lot of variance between people's, I guess, knowledge of sex. Like, Mm -hmm. would did you notice a pattern? Like, who are your clients who like and like, yeah, I guess we'll start there. Like, who are your clients and like what would they enlist your services? Like when you were doing it freelance outside of schools, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, mothers in their 30s and 40s mm. uh, whose children who's turning, you know, kind of going through the puberty or just about to enter puberty. Mm-hmm. So uh, parents, but mostly mothers um, of fifth and sixth and seventh graders. Mm. And they would contact my NGO because these mothers grew up watching the NGO head on TV okay. talk about sex. Oh, so when right. they think about sex education, they think about her and then, you know, Google her and wow, she's so active. Great. Oh, she has an NGO where they send teachers uh, to home to tutor students in a small group, a uh, small group of like two to six children. Mm. Um, and the class would be like 19 minutes long. And it, you know, it feels like um, a private tutoring. I would go to the houses or um, study center where they have rented out and meet these children, um, group of two or six, two yeah. to six, and yeah, talk to them about sex education. And the and the mothers, the mothers that mm-hmm. were like asking you, um, what was their what was their concern? Like, what was the reason for them to call mm-hmm. you, or why did they want that? They felt uh, uncomfortable, maybe, mm. or lack of 
uh, like lack of um how do you say knowledge to talk to their own children about sex mm -hmm. it's very uncomfortable subject mm -hmm. and they never have gotten their education from from their parents right and so this is actually quite popular thing among uh, resourceful mothers okay so first once your child hits fifth grade mm -hmm. you do the sex education mm -hmm. with this organization check so mm. um so that's kind of something that now among mothers something to do when your child is hitting puberty right oh. and, and when your child is not not yeah not getting education then your child is maybe missing out something so it's becoming some like a uh a, a privileged child's education right. rather than right, right. a general yeah general education for all it's like a it's like a mark of status or something like that like mm -hmm. oh i yes. hired the sex ah, the special mm -hmm. sex ed teacher mm -hmm. for my child who's going mm -hmm. through puberty that's so fascinating yeah. when i was doing research ahead of this episode i saw i read i th believe it was in the guardian and they t they addressed how you know it's 15 hours of mandatory education in korea but with that like they mentioned how in Korean society it's very like male dominated and then that mm. those biases then trickle down into like the education. Um, I think one of Absolutely. the, yeah, I think one of the examples they gave was just like, you know, talking about dates and like, well, if a man is taking you out and paying for all these things, then as a woman, like there's going to be a pressure and you should expect that you should expect mm -hmm. to give something in return for these services and Imagine, a lot of, understandably yeah. a lot of they said a lot of women were very upset by this archaic mm -hmm. and very old-fashioned idea of like courtship and sex did you experience that because i'm learning this through like an article that was written in the uk but like in your personal experience like does that still happen like is it still has it progressed has it gotten better I'd say there's the the progression and backlash always at the same time, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, so where I'm headed is I feel teaching children oh, as they're going through puberty, talking about pleasure and how to pleasure yourself, such as masturbation, yeah, very important. Yeah. But that's considered such a radical concept in Korea, and yeah. every time um, I'm requested by the school to go and talk to them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they'll say, okay, you can talk about the anatomy, uh, you can talk about the hormones and the changes the kids are going to experience, but intercourse, but masturbation, those you can't mention. You can't talk and about I sex. I feel like <laughs> cannot talk sex about sex in sex Don't education. bring up the mm -mm. intercourse. <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting because a lot of my clientele in Jeju yeah. are um, actually parents of international school students. Yeah. And I, I do provide English sex education service, which is very rare in Korea. Yeah. Um, and so uber privileged kids who mm. speaks, um, whose language preference is English, even though they're, are, they are in Korea. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm the only person that they can hire. And I feel like when they say which is sex education in Korea, yeah. um, mothers feel okay. But if I say sex education, that word just like, ugh. You know, oh. it's cringy. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wait, the parents. wait, what, wait, yeah. what? This is going to be about sex? What? L like the word sex. <laughs> what? Like the word sex is um, like, like, no. Harsh, I guess, in Korea. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, and like when you operated a sex toy shop, mm -hmm. was there, did you experience backlash? Uh, Not then. Um, not so much then, but I feel like I would 
maybe experience backlash now because it's like the uh how do you say yeah like the online abuse and oh um, attacks are getting like even severe so oh, like yeah. i feel like back in 2015 i had it better um but now i i don't know because actually i had this experience where uh in 2020 during covid i did one online open mic mm -hmm. with my female comedians mm -hmm. and one comedian because of some like very minor comment about korean man mm -hmm. uh, somebody just like you know um save that how do you say like they recorded. recorded that yeah. part of part of the open mic which was just streaming yeah. and then put it somewhere online and we started getting like a lot of comments about the looks and you know just brutal attack and online wow. and in terms of online and I, and i was like gen genuinely scared because where we perform is very limited and people yeah. can easily come and see us yeah and then like it really took took like the um, air out of me and i really didn't want to do any like online stuff from then on because mm. um I kind of put together that show and yeah. I felt that I did a disservice to my colleague who was just performing. So then uh, I was like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't want to do any like online comedy shows in Korea, in Korean. Nope. Well, wow. I'm glad that you brought that up because, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I feel like you probably were the one that told me that right now the online like anti-feminist, like anti-woman movement is extremely um, strong there. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of like very, you know, like aggressive and like attacks on women. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of something else that you were discussing, you know, when I talked to you earlier about this, the reason why so, some of the, the parents are actually contacting you is because of this famous scandal crime mm -hmm. ring that happened in Korea called Nth mm -hmm. Room Scandal. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure. So... Anthrum case, um, and some of you might have heard about it, but it's a wide sexual exploitation that happened uh, via via the Telegram mm. because it's known to be hard to track. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's an and app. so mm -hmm, that's yeah. an ad. And let's say somebody just finds a, a teenage girl who's willing to exchange nude photos or um, like explicit um, explicit chat, and then certainly you turn and uh, blackmail her saying that, oh, actually you've breached some like online uh, morality clause and you're, mm -hmm. you'll be under like um, oh my God. a lot of fines and just scare. That's yeah, so scare scary. This young girl and yeah. And scare the girl and say, um, okay, I'll, I'll introduce you to this like particular lawyer. Like he can help you, but oh, you have fuck. to follow anything he say. And this lawyer, so-called lawyer, which is, Absolutely not. But we'll ask for her personal information mm -hmm. and tell her, okay, you can't pay. Um, so you should send me more photos and, and then uh, take all those photos and personal information to telegram and create room, room number one, let's say, yeah, and chat post room. her photo. Yeah. yeah. Chat room where she goes to school and her age, Yo. birth, and even her family information and ask men to join the room for a cost of maybe 200 to $300. And they have uh, to pay in bitcoins, so it'll be uh, untrackable. And so many men joined that room that um, the guy who's arrested now, who started that, realized, wow, there's a lot of money to be made. So he started blackmailing multiple, multiple teenagers, made one, two, three, four, five, six, numerous rooms. 
So it's uncountable. We don't know how many victims are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have taken their own lives because of the abuse. Oh my God. And hence it's called the Anthrum. And um, even though the, the major host and the guys who started are arrested now, uh, something similar are still happening. Mm. Right, and, of course. Yeah. Um, teenage, teenage men and women, anyone, um, mm. a lot of them are becoming victims. And so the parents are scared that, um, and this is more gender bias, but if you're a mother of a daughter, they're scared that your daughter is going to join a random chat group and end up being the mm. victim. Yeah. And they're scared that if you're a parent of a teenage boy, um, she or he's scared that you know your son will be an abuser, uh, a part of such room. Right, because mm. it's so commonplace. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. I, does the Korean government uh, do anything to like combat this or like fight these measures? Well, um, I think after Anthrum case, it became uh, I guess considered more with more weight. But before. Mm. I think the general consensus was like, oh, it's like, isn't that similar to porn? Or mm-hmm. isn't that something that just like has happened? Like it is what it is type of reaction. Mm-hmm. But then after um, actually these group of two women who discovered the story wow. and um, yeah, and they did like a deep report on what's going on in these rooms. They were actually, they went into these rooms pretending mm-hmm. to be men wow. and saw what's going on. And and they reported to reported to the police and they tried to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, it blew up in the society. But I feel like it didn't really get uh, more attention. Like it mm. should it should have gotten more attention and it should yeah. have been uh, considered more heavier issue than it is right now. So the little mm-hmm. yeah the I saw the documentary about this case and I have to say you know I always tell Brian and say this on this podcast where when Asian people are critical of our cultures, I'm very careful to say, to say like, it's not exactly a specific Asian issue because when Mm. I saw the case, it sounded a lot like how sexual assault and sexual violence that's online is treated in America and the West where there, the laws Mm. for some reason, even though the internet's been around for 20 years now, there are no laws around, you know, this kind of um, crime and they don't know how to mm-hmm. prosecute people because they're like, well, there's no law uh, about this. Mm-hmm. And right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of that happens in the States as well. And then also, you know, what happened to the victims when they finally came forward and the police were like blaming them and being like, why did you send nudes then? Um, sure. That right. of, of mm-hmm. course happens in America. If you've ever been a victim of mm-hmm. sexual assault, you know that when you go to the cops, they're like, well, sounds like you got drunk and you're a slut, you know, like, yeah, yeah, so, no, that's, a, yes. that's a great point. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to like characterize it oh, as no. an exclusively Korean thing, but no, Brian, mm-hmm. I don't think you were saying that at all. I'm just saying, I just, I'm, I'm just very careful to always yeah, say yeah. things like that. Cause I, I think a lot of people sometimes are like, oh, Korea is a horrible place. And to be honest, mm-hmm. like uh, all these things happen online, but obviously, you know, JY and I live there and, you know, we yeah. found each other and there are a lot of like great people. But who cares? It's not it's right. not a comparison. There's like no <laughs> no comparing cultures. We're all but fucked up. JY, know, por- porn is illegal in Korea, correct? Uh, it is still very uh, illegal. Yes. Like te- <laughs> but, uh, technically, even if it's illegal, like. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's a lot of ways to bypass that, right? Like through VPNs and stuff. Oh, oh, 
absolutely. And I think we uh, like we consume like more porn than maybe even Japan. I don't know because because illegal. it's illegal. Oh, that's kind of yeah. badass. So more is, co- more yeah, consumption, did it. even more illegal. <laughs> All illegal. Probably yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I found yeah. this actually one of the students that I um, I had to do a one-on-one counseling like told me this website and uh, it has Korea in the in the handle mm-hmm. and I I guess the server is overseas and that's how they operate mm. and about like three thousand different porns are uploaded on the site. And it's all free. You can stream it free. And the aim is uh, there are many gambling, like online gambling banners yeah. on the side. Yeah. And they, basically, they're trying to attract teenagers into gambling, right. like online gambling. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that dopamine mm. stream. Yeah. Wait, Brian. Mm-hmm. Brian is asking because Brian told me that when he was, I told Brian, <laughs> I was like, I think porn is illegal in Korean. And Brian was like, what? When I was in Korea, I watched a shit ton of porn. <laughs> I lived in Korea for a year <laughs> when I was 12 years old and so obviously I was going through oh, okay. I was going through puberty at this time and yeah. like was mm-hmm. you know exploring uh, my sexuality and uh, mm-hmm. a couple things happened that left a like pretty strong memory in me so one is like at this time I was on the internet I was like trying to find porn but I'd always mm-hmm. get like a, a red website with like a big like no like like a you know the symbol for like no and it it said like it just said no and that scared me i was Mm -hmm. like oh but i didn't know it was illegal i was just like oh i guess i can't look at this so i would always like try Mm. and find search words for like hot Mm. like girl bikini like oh yeah like workarounds Mm -hmm. that wasn't fully nude Mm -hmm. um so yeah Mm -hmm. that's why like I, I didn't know that it was illegal. I was just like, oh, okay. This just means no. I guess because I'm a minor, so maybe they know that oh, I'm 12. So, so I can't <laughs> I can't be looking at this. But the sex education aspect too. Like I I sat like you know I went to a public school there, and we had a sex ed class. And mm-hmm. I remember the teacher was teaching us about like, call like condoms and like at Mm -hmm. that time at that time i already knew what it was and i was immature Mm -hmm. i was 12 so i just remember like Mm -hmm. laughing a little bit i'm like oh i can't Mm -hmm. believe they're Mm -hmm. like what like Mm -hmm. obviously everyone knows what a condom is but then when i laughed everyone everyone looked at Mm -hmm. me and they were like what's Uh, so why are you laughing i'm like oh i don't know and then from there everyone called me a pervert like oh like oh wow oh oh like you know Uh, what this is like and i was like wait mm. what i'm i'm the weirdo for knowing this i'm the bad guy because i was just like this american kid who's like yeah i know everything Mm-mm. about sex but that quickly blew up in my face because they're like oh you're a pervert bro like how do, mm. how come you know all these things yeah <laughs> wow. well that's the thing about going to teach at public schools like uh kids pretend to like not pay attention because if you show interest or if you yeah. like yeah focus and you're like oh uh you're a pervert by like being interested in uh. sexual uh, sex ed. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh I, it's crazy but i think when it comes to condom um it's even i guess we went backwards with condom i don't know mm. um because uh elementary school definitely like no no to teach condoms mm. um seventh grade maybe but again like 
people become very uncomfortable when they say I bring an actual condom and I show them and show them how to use it. Yeah, and they're like, but why? You know, that isn't that like too radical? That's uh, the the parents. Yeah, I love, they're like, this is sex ed. I don't think we should be talking mm-hmm. about condoms or <laughs> sex. <laughs> That's too. You're pushing it too far. Right. Just just tell them about like don't don't rape anyone and don't get raped and that's it <laughs> you just walk in don't yeah. rape anyone the yeah. end <laughs> yeah wait so much. and then mm. you were telling and i remember um you were saying something about the porn and this is actually something that i see a lot in in america and the rest of the world mm. where they their pe- the adults are so restrictive about sex education and they're like don't say this don't talk about you know like uh, homosexuality blah 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 and you see that obviously right. in America among like religious people who are pushing for that kind of education to be removed from the public school system right and, but then but then like they I feel like they don't understand that as any 11 year old or 12 year old is gonna go look at porn by themselves mm-hmm. no matter if it's right. illegal or, they're gonna find it if if anything that I'm certain <laughs> of in this world is a 12 year old will find porn (laughs) like and so and so i feel like uh i don't know if you feel the same way but like i feel like having an education system that lacks the educational aspect of sex knowing fully Mm -hmm. that these children are going to go home and watch porn which is Mm. you know created for fantasy and kink and Mm. not not necessarily educational it's just Mm -hmm. to like feed into other people's like fantasies i think that that Mm -hmm. creates like this like somebody that view sex in this like not incorrect way but not 100 percent like a healthy way do you do you do you see that happening with kids in korea or yeah well uh i'm still very shocked when i talk to the moms because they are like my kid is 18 and i'm shocked that he watches porn you know <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like <laughs> i don't i don't know where to start because uh, you know um they're like he was watching porn and I was just shocked. I really believed my child would never do that. And yeah. that sounds like a mom from like in the eighties, but with <laughs> a fully functioning smartphone and uh, laptop and everything. And still a lot of mothers truly believe that not my child, you know, he's an angel, like she's an angel and uh, they're never going to look for those kind of stuff. And wow. they really just need a reality check. And <laughs> I, every time I just, Every time I'm just shocked, like, really? And I have to tell them, like, I found porn with a dial-up internet at, like, fourth grade. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, but you're a bad person, maybe. <laughs> I don't oh know. Oh, my God. Um, that yeah. sounds like a you problem. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a you problem and not my child. Okay. And it's just, um, I had so many cases where the moms will be like, oh, you know, he's of an age and. I don't know if this will be too early for him. He's in sixth grade. And then a couple of months later, she's like shocked to find out that he's been like, you know, fully sex, like sexting with photos and everything with sexting. random girls. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It has happened. Very similar things has happened. I don't, yeah. I don't like, I, cause I know that a lot of parents, even, you know, outside of Korea are like that. I feel mm-hmm. like that's objectifying a child. I feel like that you're mm-hmm. thinking of a child mm-hmm. in this way that mm-hmm. they're fulfilling your needs as a mother or a father, instead of like mm-hmm. a, being a full human being, like a, not allowing your children to have sexuality. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it seems weird. Like, I get I what know. you're saying, but. I've, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, I think every mom wants mm-hmm. to assume their child is like, 
such a good boy. Like, not my son. My son's <laughs> not going to do drugs. Like, but you know, maybe that's like an old well, guard thing, yeah. you know? But still, it's like, <laughs> right. it's like when you tell a kid, like, oh, my kid's not bad. They learned <sighs> it from another kid. It's like you're not allowing them to be a full human being. Mm. You're seeing them as yeah. like this image in your head of like, you know what I mean? It's like they're they're a human being and it's okay if they do You know something. what? Yeah. <laughs> that Like the perfect example is my mother. You know, I'm 36 years old. I own a sex toy shop. Yeah. My mom's still shocked when she discovers a tampon in my bathroom. She's like, oh, you're using like this? <laughs> well, don't put it in, you know? My mom's so anti-tampon too. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you a whore? Okay. I'm just kidding. It's like my mom, that's, yeah, like, that's yeah. what she thinks. <laughs> Wait, can we can we talk about your sex shop really quick? Um, because mm -hmm. you did open the first ever, um, sort of like female or like uh people with vulva having centered sex shop in Korea, and you said yeah, that female friendly, female friendly, yeah. and you were um, you were sort of. Again, again, inspired by sex shops you saw in America, and mm -hmm. yeah, what was your goal in opening the sex shop, and what how was it different than like sex shops existing in Korea at the time? Yeah, I I did my field research by going in sex shop like uh, dark in the dark alley, you know, um, <laughs> underground run by men, mm. and it just feels scary to even <laughs> go into a sex toy shop because uh, as soon as you walk in, you're admitting like, okay, you are fully like weirdo perversive women you so anything hunt. can happen to you yeah yeah You're, yeah you have to go in with <laughs> a trench coat and like yeah. wear a hat really yeah. low and like look around yeah, exactly <laughs> there are still bands with sex toy uh mm. on the outside in korea like wow. on the side of the highway mm -hmm. yeah uh bands still you know, you know bands that sell sex toys but anyways um my goal was to create like a bright space where women can walk in and feel safe and really just at ease to to find orgasm you know mm -hmm. um because i i don't think a lot of korean women are coming man so <laughs> i just really wanted to <laughs> yeah and and just let them know like hey you can do it yourself because my my first experience in seattle like yeah. walked into a babeland and was greeted by super friendly female staff and um and i was like this is what Korea needs. Like, mm. uh, we have so much bullshit and, you know, um, oppression. Yet there are so many sex consumed by men at night. Yeah. Yet there's no discourse. So uh, I'll, I'll start something. But um, I, I kind of couldn't bring myself to start it until I was 30 because mm. my parents broke their back to put me through an American education and, yeah. like, how dare I? Yeah, it's like the ultimate thing. Yeah. Um, like a nightmare of a thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I just had to do it. I realized um, if I don't do it now, I'll really regret it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I opened it and it was just met with so much, um, um, I, I guess, um, acceptance by women. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, we great. were covered in pretty much, yeah, all of the major newspapers here because you know we put our face and names out there mm. and i guess for a newspaper perspective it's like oh that's a sexy story um mm -hmm. like i was 29 uh usa back then so two women in their 20s unmarried opening opening up a sex toy shop like yeah. that's a good clickbait yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so uh, we became sort of famous in this area yeah. and then a lot of people realize oh there's money to be made and you know actually promoting like sex toys mm. but then it 
then this trend started where YouTubers started reviewing sex toys and mm. uh, uh. all these kind of bright looking, like uh, drugstore looking sex toy shops popping up everywhere. Yeah. Uh. And I think there are pros and cons, but I felt that uh, only the pleasure, the kink aspect was highlighted rather than really knowing what you want and exploring what you need and then finally finding a solution. Right. It became uh, a, a course of where you should go on a fun date mm. with your partner uh, if you're in your 20s. And I think there was sort of this pressure uh, created for women in their 20s where you have to like pretend to like these kind of stuff right. even though you don't to, like, want to for, or you're scared for oh, the for the satisfaction mm. or the view of your male partner yeah that makes sense i i think a lot of people use sex shops in that way and i'm sorry i feel like i keep saying no, no, like no, it's no. not only in korea like that's like <laughs> little, every time well that's like you, you hear a lot of like you know in like uh, rom-coms you know you'll see like why don't you go get mm. some sexy lingerie for your boyfriend it's like mm. never about mm. like the woman's idea mm -hmm. of like how she wants to have pleasure it's about the pleasure of the male partner you know like Ooh, yeah, he's gonna get turned actually, on if i use we, a dildo or something yeah yeah I, I had a female reporter who came in and wrote really a nice story but mm -hmm. her her editor who's a man in his 50s yeah. wanted to put this headline a place to go to to find my girlfriend's pleasure. Oh that was a headline he wanted to put on. Because men are sensitive yeah. about I, being replaced by toys. Like they're really sensitive about yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And so I I told her like, look, uh, it's a great newspaper, but I'd rather like you not run our story with under that headline because yeah. it's just yeah. like complete opposite That's of what we we're trying to so do. So fucking frustrating. Since then, it sounds like your business really opened the floodgates to normalizing like sex toys and discover like pleasure for especially like that's women centric like are there more stores like that now currently um i i'd say there are only a handful that kind of share the same like idea or philosophy as i did okay i don't know how well they're doing in terms of sales sure mm. but if you came to korea now and went to any major like subway station area like Gangnam or Hongdae, yeah there are these like big sex toy chains mm. like with bright logos but i feel like i'm sorry to <laughs> say this to them but i i feel they lack the soul mm. like they, they don't have an aim their their goal is to make the most money right. by bringing in it's just a business yeah uh, yeah it's just a business and and i guess people with that kind of perspective make more money but mm -hmm. i just didn't want to attach my name to something and and yeah. so i was like happy to move on to become an educator with an ngo right and um, and truly educate people. I mean, that kind of sounds like Brian and I, when we talk about this podcast, because we were like, we started off doing stand up <laughs> and then we were like, mm -hmm. oh, because it's like important to us to talk about our issues. And then we were like, oh, we don't want to reduce this down to like a joke that sometimes might be mm. detrimental to our community. You know, as mm. Asians, we want to really talk about these issues and do like, mm. quote unquote, more important feeling work. And it sounds like you sort of had the similar like, movement through your career okay jy we've reached an exciting point in our podcast where we're going to hit you with some questions and you know they're going to be more about we're going to explore what you're loving what you're hating what you're ashamed of your feelings but for our <laughs> dedicated listeners if you want to learn this side of jy you're going to have to go over to our patreon 
at patreon.com slash feelingasian. Well, JY, woo! Thanks for, uh, you know, giving us the inside scoop on island life in Korea. Before we let you go, um, we like to ask this one last question to all of our guests, and that is, what is something that you're proud of? Um, at the moment, I'm proud uh, that I work very hard at a job that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, actually really like the people I work with. And I, um, and I think we make the work culture together. And working with Henya's, um, it just surprised me because when I interviewed for the job, they warned me, like, you know, they can come off as coarse. Mm. Uh, they can be too direct with their mm. words. And sometimes like I, I walk in and say hello in the morning. They don't even respond because they're so <laughs> focused on their job work. Yeah. Um, but there's like so much love uh, here. And yeah. and I'm just so proud that, you know, I I uh, made this move to come to this island and found something I love. And um, I'm actually doing things that makes me happy. Mm. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, at the moment, I'm not doing, like, zero comedy. I don't know. Um, like, that experience of seeing my colleague being online bullied um, just kind of scared yeah. me, you know, as a woman uh, who tried to speak her mind in this culture. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to get back to it, you know. I'm still uh, still looking forward to it. And the comedy scene um, is really growing now in Seoul. Like, there are multiple open mics <laughs> and by multiple, I mean like two. Wow. Two open mics. Hey, that's, that that is doubled multiple. in the last yeah. two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the scene is growing and I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm I'm proud that I'm happy. Well, I'm really proud of you mm-hmm. for being a pioneer. I really feel that you're somebody that took the initiative to see these things that were problematic and you were just like, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do it. And you, you seem like someone that's like, nothing's ever stopped you. You're like, I experienced this and that was wrong. So I'm going to help other people so they don't have to experience it. And, you know, like I like stand up and you're going to bring that to your culture. And I really, um, I really look up to you in that mat in that manner and I also just want to say that yeah that's like really great and I also wanted to just say something really quick about the stand-up thing I think a lot of people that are like marginalized people during the pandemic there I I think because of the trauma of everything and all the stuff that's going on a lot of us did back away from stand-up which is a very toxic misogynistic Mm. culture for the most part and I've and we've seen like what it's kind of grown into which is not very good or healthy i think even in america and um i'm sorry that you felt that you needed to back away from that because i definitely 100 percent understand that feeling because i feel like i went through the same thing um but yeah mm-hmm. i just want to say i'm really proud of you and I, I really look up to you thank you and i'm proud of you because you are like the only two funny person i saw at the open mic out of my seven weeks of hard uh, stand-up, um, stand-up studying days in New York, and I'm I'm so proud that you know you you became this bigger, uh, more famous because you're funny, and and I still like get a lot of comfort. I laugh a lot with your tweets, so thank you, and please keep them coming. Yeah, it's really comforting. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I think your story is one where a lot of our listeners will find inspiration from in that, especially in regards to 
don't be afraid to change you know we're constantly changing we're constantly don't be afraid to go for like what you're interested in and what you're what your, yeah. I guess, like where your desires lie in the moment, because as people, we change uh, moment to moment. And I feel like you're not afraid to go after it. And most importantly, I think it's just about like being happy. And it sounds like you're in a good place now. And, and let's all take a white so thing much. and and become the experts on that like they do to our things yeah like oh yeah the white guy the you know like the white guy that went to japan for 10 days and he's now the expert on ramen that's what we should do we let's become mm-hmm. the experts on stand-up uh, bass uh-huh. pro shop uh mm-hmm. i don't know what else do white people like that i can become the expert yeah. of i don't know jay i don't know if you're active on socials but if you are where can our listeners find you and your work online and maybe if you want to plug the ngo that you used to uh be associated or involved with um yes uh i don't think they have any english introduction but uh the ngo is called Mm -hmm. aosung a-o-o-s-u-n-g you can look that up Mm -hmm. um uh, for me, my Instagram handle is at standupjy, but sorry, I'm not really putting up anything at the moment. Um, you can see like some videos of me working, moving the cons. And what about you, Youngmi? Oh, right. Uh, my social is ymmayor or Youngmi Mayor on TikTok. And how about you, Brian? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And follow the podcast socials everywhere at Feeling Asian Podcast and yeah i think that's it everyone thanks for listening and we'll see you all here next week bye everyone bye and if you made it this far into our podcast you know what time it is it's time to do some patreon shout outs For those of you who aren't in the know yet, shame on you. But also, most importantly, if you've thought, uh, if you want, ask yourself what the best way is to support this podcast, it is to go to Patreon.com/slash/FeelingAsian. Check it out. We have different subscription benefits, but any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast, which is the most exciting part of the podcast episodes, honestly. And uh, let's just jump right into them, young me. I'm ready. The first shout out. For this week goes out to Momo Arbeit. Momo, Momo sounds like a. Um, I'm I'm seeing like a scuba diver. Is that? <laughs> do people still do scuba diving? I don't know. Yes, of course they do. I feel like they get really into it. Something about the water. I like, <laughs> I, I like how um, JY is single-handedly keeping the tradition of sea diver alive. Yes. And you asked if people still do scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> which is a which is a more advanced form of what JY is doing. No scuba diving, not advanced, di- yeah. but just Different. more technological. <laughs> well, the the what JY is doing is like the free diving. Scuba diving is you get the tank and you can just be down there forever. Yeah, I guess my logic is if people aren't scuba diving, then JY really needs to put in the work. <laughs> I love how in Korea there's like the divers that were like free diving for food and like stuff like that but then now like scuba diving is like a pastime like you just put the tank on just to look at stuff in the water you know <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. i mean isn't there an, there's nothing more korean than doing things the hard way yeah <laughs> trying to make a living off of something some other people um, do for fun yes so momo young me thinks you're a scuba diver and uh, my guess is that you're an art therapist. So oh. let us know if we're correct in the DMs. Uh, next shout out goes out to Shayna Ruby. What, what do I think Shayna Ruby? I'm gonna guess bartender. 
oh. like a mixologist. Yeah, I'm getting that kind of vibe. I'm getting like, yeah, like a bartender. Um, yeah, that I also was getting that kind of vibe. Like, um, oh, yeah, like some sort of uh, baby, like in the restaurant biz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You're in the restaurant biz. You have the best stories, and yeah. obviously you're very charismatic because that's how you make your guap when you're mixing these wonderful concoctions for people. <laughs> yes, you can talk the talk so and Shana, do you. the bartending. <laughs> but the most importantly, Shayna, thank you for supporting the podcast. Our next shout out goes out to Stephen Elliot Buckley. St- Stephen Elliot Buckley. I feel like. Putting your middle name is a choice, I feel like. So I feel like whoever, whatever people com- include their middle names, it's like they are some sort of like official person or like a very serious student or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I totally get that. My guess right. is for Steven is that he's a travel blogger, oh. but comes from old money. Th- that Yeah, middle name inclusion has that vibe for sure. I think... My vibe, I'm getting like a student vibe. I'm sticking with the student thing. I think this person's Okay, so you're going to stick with student. I'm going to say that Steven, my guess is Steven lives in like Myanmar and is a travel journalist. Mm, I could see both things, yeah. Yeah. Well, Steven, thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, Next shout out goes out to Vandana Ravi Kumar. Uh, I'm going to guess architect. Oh. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this person is lost in life just like me. Just doesn't know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to figure it out. Like they have like a day job. Bandana and they Ravi don't, Kumar. Yeah, they don't, like <laughs> Bandana like has a day job. But just, ha- just you know, not, not following their passions is the vibe I get. Okay, so, <laughs> so Young Me thinks that you're has a, a lost job. soul. Has a good job, but like. D- knows that th- they're not doing what they doesn't want. Doesn't love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess that, Vandana, you love being an architect, but we all know that that shit uh, don't pay well for the first oh, wow. 40 years of your career. <laughs> and you're questioning if it's worth it. So let us know if we're in the ballpark. And the last shout out for this episode goes out to Sun Truong. This person, I- I've se- I'm seeing like a... Sp- a sportsy it's racquetball that's their hot passion they really love doing tennis or tennis or racquetball i see a like a like a rack like a racket you know like an instrument of sport Mm. badminton (laughs) i was gonna say that that they uh they're they're they play uh violin professionally this is somebody that has that's good with a tool maybe that's the psychic vibe we're getting like they're it's either a tennis racket or a violin so something maybe they're a dentist maybe i'm seeing a drill or something i was gonna yeah i think i'm gonna stick with sports and music and the parents made them do it as a hobby but they became professional at the thing that there was supposed to be a hobby maybe maybe it would help them go to college something yeah (laughs) yeah so parents worst nightmare is what you what you are son (laughs) (laughs) but yeah thank you all for supporting the podcast and uh once again if you'd like to do so 
it's at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And, uh, you know, if you made it this far into the episode, it's basically done. Uh, and thank you again for supporting the pod, everyone. Thank you. 